Welcome back to the Path of Longevity show, and I'm your host, Dr. Robert Lufkin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Stephen Sidoroff. For this segment on rapamycin and RATFEST, we're going to do something a little different too. Uh, we'll first start off with a recent CBS News program that uh, I appeared on where they interviewed me discussing the use of rapamycin for longevity. And then the second segment, we're going to segue into a sample of last year's RADFest, a panel discussion that I appeared on with Liz Parrish and several other experts, and where I discussed the clinical applications of rapamycin for longevity. And we would like to invite you to this year's RADFest conference, which is coming up in the beginning of September in California, where I will again be discussing further breakthroughs on the use of rapamycin as well as lifestyle tools for turning down mTOR for increasing longevity. Steve Sidoroff will also be presenting on his topic of stress and longevity. Um, There's a link included in the show notes here that uh, if you use the code Lufkin, L-U-F-K-I-N, you'll get 10% off on the cost of the registration. So now, please enjoy this week's episode. Is it possible that a child's already been born who could reach the age of 200 years old? Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Google founder Larry Page, and a Saudi prince among those now pouring their cash into new companies with the goal of extending our lifespans. Well, tonight we're focusing on a drug that already exists that some think could, in fact, be the world's first anti-aging pill. It's very exciting because this is where this is where the breakthroughs happen. Dr. Robert Lufkin's one of the most respected voices from the medical community on anti-aging. A professor and practicing physician, he's authored more than 200 peer-reviewed scientific papers and is releasing a new book. The field of longevity is undergoing uh, a more dramatic change in the last 10 years than it has in the entire history before that. Dr. Lufkin says the widely prescribed FDA-approved diabetic medication metformin is already being prescribed off-label for anti-aging, but it's a lesser-known drug called rapamycin that's getting all the attention right now. Rapamycin is probably the leading uh, anti-aging drug now for longevity. It's, It's a remarkable drug. It was discovered on Easter Island in the 1960s. From the very beginning, it was unlike any other uh, drug known in that it had some really magical properties to it. And it led to the discovery of uh, a major signaling protein in, in our bodies. The FDA approved it for people undergoing organ transplants to keep their bodies from rejecting donated organs. But a growing amount of research indicates low doses of the medication could control cell growth and aging. There is a growing population of individuals in this country and around the world who are taking rapamycin specifically for its longevity benefits. And they're, um, you know, ideally doing this under the care of a physician. And I didn't have to look far to find someone. I've been experimenting with rapamycin for a year. I feel amazing. This is Kathy Fisher, who happens to be my sister. She spent hours researching rapamycin and its potential benefits. And it's not just about longevity. It's about health span. Mm-hmm. So how healthy am I going to be? What type of grandmother am I going to be? Am I going to be able to play golf when I'm 90 or 95? To be clear, she's under the care of a physician and says she's had no side effects. I would say you have to be a healthy individual. You have to make decisions 
that are based on your health, your genetics. If you can extend your life by 10 to 15 years, you're a healthy individual, is it worth it? And that's what you have to kind of look at. Dr. Lufkin says new studies also show the drug could have a significant benefit even if you're already old. Rapamycin also works to decrease age-related hearing loss. It, it, it changes the collagen in the skin to make the wrinkles less. It makes the hair less gray. It makes the hair grow. And these things, periodontal disease, it also it, it reverses them. And this is when the rapamycin is actually applied late in life. So it sounds very exciting. Now, here's the deal. Studies are being done on humans right now. It's not FDA cleared for anti-aging. But as Dr. Lufkin points out, these longevity style uh, uh, research takes a long time. In fact, it takes a lifetime to see if, in fact, these things uh, are, are working. So at the end of the day, he says the best thing you can do right now, exercise and good eating habits. All right. Still very interesting, though. Wow, 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 wow. This is amazing. I feel um, humbled and um, touched, moved by the work that you are all doing and so grateful that you exist and that you are saving our lives, saving millions and millions and trillions and countless lives. Uh, You've been sitting for a long time and quiet, so to celebrate this scientific progress that that we're we're uh, witnessing here, I want you to stand up and go, yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yeah! I'll do it too. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to uh, thank you for that. That is energizing. We're going to um, do our QA. Hopefully, I won't drop my iPad. And it will be okay. Um, so feel free to submit questions through the application if you haven't done so yet. To this, the event application on your phones. All right. Thank you again. Um, so I have one question for Liz. Is the BioViva gene therapy available for humans at an offshore clinic? Oh, that's a really good question. So outside of treating myself um, through Dr. Williams, BioViva has never been able to treat a person because it's illegal for a U.S. company to do that. So we work with a company called Integrative Health Systems. They're an offshore company, and they're basically a company that connects patients to medical doctors, and you both consent to treatment, and then that's how you get access. Our company is able to assess the data, uh, but we're not able to give you a treatment. I'd like to change that. (laughs) That's right. Thank you. Um, They want to know, Dr. Lufkin, if you take rapamycin, and if so, what effects has it had on you? Uh, personally, yeah, I do take rapamycin. Um, I haven't had any side effects from it. Uh, as far as the positive effects, it's very difficult to say because I'm, I'm, like many of us, I'm doing a lot of different interventions with lifestyle and diet and fasting and other things. So it's, it, I, 
I feel great. I feel better than I used to feel, but I'm not sure it's the rapamycin. It might be a combination of other factors. So the short answer is I don't know. Do you do uh, any blood work or any biomarkers before and after? Yes. Uh, I, I, just, I routinely do biomarkers. There were no problems with glucose or any, there were no negative effects there or with immune function. And benefits in terms of any any of the biomarkers that we know of aging, for example, that you've seen changing? Well, all the, all the blood markers improve, but again, I'm not sure if it's what Which aspect one? of lifestyle and all the changes right. I'm doing. It's not a good way to run an experiment, yeah, exactly. but if not you're trying scientific. to save your life, it's a good way to do it. Do you it. take anything else other than, you know, your diet and exercising and it's, as, it's as like NAD or... In your drugs? Or, um, metformin and acarbose. Acarbose. Interesting. Um, yeah, uh, there are so many questions. It's hard for me to choose one quickly. But um, I'll be right back. Sorry, <laughs> I'm here. But, uh, um, so, with the use of mRNA technology now, because of the COVID vaccine that is is uh, globally being used, will you think this will accelerate the adoption of gene therapy? I guess it doesn't say who they're asking, but I don't know who wants to take it. I think it. I Bill know if, would if probably be good to answer I, that. We hope so. Yeah, let's That's see. My, okay, so I've done a lot of RNA work and a lot of DNA work, and I, I personally find that DNA works a lot better than RNA. <laughs> I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm guessing that that's probably what we're going to see. I'm, I'm not sure if RNA will ever take off, but it's, RNA is faster. It's faster to get it developed in things, and so that's one of the reasons right. why it's vaccine. Any other therapies that you can think of here in the panel that could uh, advance faster because of mRNA? Well, I think that, you know, that, that was a... Actually, if you want to look at anything <laughs> well, around the vaccine, is, is that goes to show how fast the government can move if it wants to. Absolutely. Um, again, on the patient advocate side, um, you know, HIV had a drug in two years because people marched on Washington. And I can't tell you more that, uh, that that is really what we need to do. We need to get out there and we need to demand access because the regulatory system can move amazingly fast if they want to, and there's no bigger crisis than aging. Yeah. Oh, thank you. If, if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to bring up a point related yes. to what Liz just said. There's a book that I'd like you all to know about, and I'd like you all to read it. Ultimately, it's called Death by Regulation by Mary Ruart. It, des it describes how uh, if not for a modification in the FDA charter that took place in 1962, drugs would be 40 times cheaper than they are now, and you'd have about 10 times as many of them, and they would have come a lot sooner, and there'd be no uh, compromise in either safety or efficacy. So um, uh, there are uh, uh, several approaches that can be used to bring down the regulatory barriers, but it, there has to be the political will to go there. So if the public becomes aware of these things, maybe uh, you can influence other people. Yeah. Okay. Please read Bill Falloon's books as well, because he has done a, an immense amount of research also on the US FDA and how things really need to change. And I was just told that there's an amazing Joe Rogan uh, episode, three hours long. Yeah, if you really want to become uh, motivated, 
uh, to do something, then I would recommend watching the Joe Rogan podcast that came out a couple of weeks ago. I was a scientific advisor on that episode. Um, it's three hours long, but you will not be able to tear your eyes away. It's about the insurance companies and about how uh, the healthcare system in the United States is really not, it's sort of let, it's let us down. But it's, it's amazing. I, would, I recommend it. Different. Thank you for that recommendation. Yes, I think uh, science and technology are moving extremely fast and it's, it is accelerating, but the regulatory system is not moving as fast, so it's definitely not going to work. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Ian, Dr. White, if you can tell us more about the Space Aging Research Institute. Yeah, so that's a new initiative um, that we're just starting. We're actually raising capital for right now. We're trying to raise $2 million dollars for a two-year proof-of-principle research program uh, to demonstrate that some of these ideas about entropy being the ultimate cause of aging and how we could try to undo entropy that would then have downstream effects and everything else that we're studying here today. Um, so we want to be able to demonstrate that some of the ideas that, are in, that I describe in my book are actually based in legitimate science. Uh, you know, Schrodinger worked on them years ago. Um, uh, he ended up winning the Nobel Prize, but we've sort of forgot about, forgotten about a lot of this science, and we've also forgotten how to reconcile different disciplines. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. We're trying to get this institute going. So um, with your support, hopefully we can do that. Thank you so much. Is that a non-profit? It's a non-profit. It's a 501c3. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sounds wonderful. Um, question for, from Chase Falcon, Bilson. Um, for you, Dr. Faye. Would you expect the improvements you've, been, you've seen on phenoage in various biomarkers to continue improving beyond your initial results if the treatments in these trials were repeated continuously, no gaps? It, it looks at the moment like what happened in the TRIMEX trial uh, was that it, it, with continued treatment it plateaued for a while. I think that that's uh, uh, an artifact of certain details of the way we did the experiment. I think we can overcome that. I have some pretty excellent leads on how to do that. But when that is over, then yes, I expect that the uh, plasma phenoage clock will go in reverse again for a period of time, just like it did in the volunteer that was in both Trim and TrimX. Uh, after the end of TrimX, he gained another three years of negative aging. So I think that that's generally going to be seen to, to occur. I don't have a good explanation for that, but uh, apparently there's further adjustments that the body goes through after the end of the treatment that allows it to get at least a transient further gain. So uh, I, I do believe that uh, that would happen. But if you continue the treatment longer, I think that it may continue to go down uh, farther and farther, uh, provided I make an adjustment to the protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait see that. Greg, is there anything you want to say to women to sign up? I know you have less women participating. Is there yeah. anything in particular that you want to say to encourage them to? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that uh, just for the women out there, just so you know, uh, the people that have been the most enthusiastic about this trial have been the women who have enrolled in the trial. Uh, they're just bursting with energy. They're excited. Uh, I think maybe women are built to live long, and uh, this treatment just sort of helps them do that. Uh, <laughs> So I would certainly encourage the women to sign up. It looks like you get the same benefits of the men, but you may have more fun along the way. So, uh, <laughs> For Dr. Lafking, are there known side effects to rapamycin, and did you say there was a rapamycin shampoo? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, the, the rapamycin shampoo is what was used on the, uh, on the animal model. Yes. There's not currently an FDA-approved version of that. Can we still get some? But, uh, <laughs> biohackers are grinding up tablets and making hand lotion and toothpaste wow. and shampoos, or, or they're just taking it orally. But it's all, you know, it's all the Wild West out yeah. there. You got my number, right? Pardon me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you said there's an FDA-approved rapamycin cream? Yeah, it just came out for facial antifibromas associated with tuberous sclerosis. Um, so it's, it's, you could buy it. It's very expensive, but it's an off-label use for, you could use for hands, potentially. And if you're desperate enough, you could even put it on your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Dilute with a little water and just rub it in. Right. There's a, a product here that has Rapalog that is a facial cream. I don't know if you... So, it, and, and part of my ignorance, but is, is it different than rapamycin, rapalog? Here at this show? Yeah, this at the show, yeah. There's no, a cream. I have, I'll, I'll check it out. I haven't uh, seen them. Is it rapalog is different than rapamycin or, or is, yeah, yeah. do I say it is? Yeah. Okay. I mean, there, there can be all kinds of rapalogs. Rapalog just so, means it's an analog to rapamycin. That's, so, that's, but rapamycin is a rapalog, correct? Uh, rapamycin is rapamycin, and a rapalog okay. would be something that mimics rapamycin. I see. If it's chemically similar to rapamycin, the rapalogs uh, uh, will still be under the FDA approval and require a prescription to use them. Yeah, because I was talking to some people here and they were convinced that the cream was a rapamycin cream, but and that's mm. why this is the perfect, the yeah, perfect the, environment to clarify that. Yeah, the cream, the hand cream is currently by prescription only, just like the rapamycin tablets are. Right. Thank you. Um, Liz, what are your thoughts about using lipid nanoparticles as a vector for gene delivery as opposed to the CMV vector for gene delivery? Well, um, I'm interested in the lipid nanoparticles. Obviously, um, lipid nanoparticles were used in the immunization. Um, they, were not be, they were not able to be used in higher doses because they're toxic to your liver. Um, there are companies working on non-toxic uh, versions, but they have a long ways to go. And, you know, we looked at this uh, quite widely. We didn't start our research till 2018, three years into it. And, you know, we just like uh, vector delivery systems because they are designed to take genes and put them into the nucleus. And that's where genes have a persistent outcome. And so the idea of our company is to deliver drugs which you don't have to take over and over again. Although we did show that we may be able to create a, a intranasal uh, gene therapy for you. Hopefully that will also be long term. The idea is to make it so people are not dependent on uh, drug use, that we can kind of set it and forget it at least for a number of years, a decade or two. And I think that that's doing the best justice to the population. I've always said that right now we live uh, definitely in an economy where companies need to make money. In the future, uh, healthcare should be free and enhancement should cost a lot. And I want to enhance you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> How many? Let me, uh, let me add to the nanoparticles. Um, it sounds like my mic's, mic's not working. Uh, we've done a lot of side-by-side -side experiments with mRNA, DNA, nanoparticles, viral vectors. We've never found anything that works as good as viral vectors. 
I mean, there would be a targeting issue with just lipid nanoparticles, right? Maybe the CMV has better targeting properties. Uh, can you? Yeah, I couldn't hear the, the end. Say it again louder. Say again what you said louder. I yeah, I mean, I think going to just a lipid nanoparticle brings up issues of targeting, whereas the CMV has affinities for certain cells that you know in advance, and uh, well, you would have to build more into it than just the lipid coating. You'd have to... CMV, adenovirus, lentivirus, all the other ones. We, we've compared side-by-sides with all those different viral vectors, and they all work better in our hands than, than nanoparticles. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Liz, how many therapies people can take from, you know, that you offer, that the BioViva is offering, and what kinds? Well, BioViva, again, I have to say we can't offer therapies, but in medical tourism, there are many therapies available around the gene therapy space, both with companies we work with and outside of that. Um, you'll find a few companies working on uh, folostatin, the muscle-increasing uh, gene therapy. You'll find Clotho, Clotho and uh, telomerase together for dementia or cognitive decline or cognitive enhancement. You'll find PGC1-alpha for obesity or metabolic uh, issues, and then combinations thereof. And so PGC1-alpha and Clotho um, and TERT may be a, a popular uh, uh, therapy for something like chronic kidney disease. And again, it's all experimental. If companies will work with us and share the data with us, we will get papers to you. And um, that's what we really push for. Um, thank you, Liz. Dr. White, um, you are the Vice President of the American College of Regenerative Medicine. What, what do they think about aging and curing aging? Well, so the American College of Regenerative Medicine is a 501c6, and the idea there is that we're trying to bring together the entire field of regenerative medicine uh, to have some kind of standards, um, because that's really the, a big problem in the industry right now is that there are so many of us making great leaps, but then there are so many cowboys out there that are messing the waters. And so what we're trying to do is trying to bring everything under one roof to try to um, go to the FDA and say, look, there is some discipline here. We do know what we're doing. Um, and, you know, so... Anti-aging is part of regenerative medicine, uh, so we're a big proponent uh, of anti-aging. It's, it's going to be the rest of my life's work. Uh, hopefully, it's not going to take that long. I hope to have that for you in a couple of years, maybe 10 years. Uh, we'll see, but um, you know, that's why I, we have the American College. That's why we have the Space Aging Research Institute, that's because that's where I'm putting all my energy. This is the future. So they are, we're on the same page, basically. Yes, that's same page. Good. Well, unfortunately, we don't have any more time, and this conversation could go for hours, and I have a lot of questions from all of you here, but uh, I'm sure you can find... Are you all sticking around? Yes, yeah? So try, you can have private conversations with them, and I want to thank you very much, very, very much, and for all the work that you do. Um, when when uh, I started, when I got involved in this field about 20 years ago, it was just a few of us crazy people with some crazy idea. <laughs> And, uh, and Aubrey the Grey actually was my mentor, and that's why I'm here. And um, I want to thank him, too. And now this is a reality. There's an industry, there's a field, and it's just amazing. And I feel very touched by that and very grateful to all of you. And to all of you, too, because without you, this wouldn't be happening either. Thank you. Thanks, all of you, too. This is for general information and educational purposes only, and it's not intended to constitute or substitute for medical advice or counseling. The practice of medicine or the provision of health care diagnosis or treatment or the creation of a physi physician 
patient or clinical relationship. The use of this information is at their own, uh, own user's risk. If you find this to be on the value, please hit that like button to subscribe to support the work that we do on this channel. And we take the, your suggestions and advice very seriously, so please let us know what you'd like to see on this channel. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next time.